are we giving of ourselves in discipleship to Jesus? Are we counting the cost and realizing what we have to trade? Oh, following Jesus means I can't do this thing and this thing and this thing. Not because there's some legalistic whatnot. It's I believe that God has something better in store for me. My name is Kelvin, as always, your host. Uh, I will forever say that this was not a lonely podcast because it's usually just me and Michael and <laughs> someone else. But today it's just me and Michael. Yeah, the third chair is empty. It feels yeah. a little weird. We've got some empty microphones here with no people behind them. Yeah, the invitations went out and it was no after no after. After no, yeah. So it, is it appropriate to name the... No, we're not going to go there. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> We're not going to call anybody out. Although we could send them the episode and tell them that they missed out on a great conversation. But no, this is going to be a great conversation. Hey, the Bible says we're two or more gathered. That's right. He is there. So right. we are not alone. We are not. Boy, we just wrapped up a series. Yes, we did. An incredible series. I think a very much needed series mm. for our time. Um, Radical Faith. Uh, we looked at, what was it, was it five weeks? Six. Six weeks on yep. Elisha. Um and we have the man that orchestrated the, uh, the the series for the most part. Well, by God's grace. Yeah, we'll give we'll give the man upstairs a big big chunk of the credit there as well. Yeah. Um. So, did you happen to listen to this week's message? Well, um, <laughs> I, I I didn't. <laughs> I preached it, but I did not listen back to it. So, so uh, I want to I want to ask you this first, and we'll get into the conversation as the. As the series has wrapped up, I, it's been a huge blessing for me, first of all, um, mm-hmm. because of some of the stories that I think we've we've listened to as little kids, and we've now seen them as a diff- in a different light. At least I have as a quote unquote young adult, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's challenged my faith in some areas too, which mm. I hope it has for some people. Mm-hmm. So y- your take, you know, we were kind of talking about before the <laughs> before we started recording. You kind of didn't really know where to go with this one. And it kind of had to end it, but I want to get your like your synopsis and search for a better word on 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 the six weeks and how we're we're where we are today. Ah, that's fantastic. So anytime I anytime I go into a sermon series, I always kind of I map it out, but I don't necessarily write it completely out. So I've kind of and I use scripture to do that. So we're not just kind of willy nilly going places. Sure. But oftentimes we come to scripture uh, different every time we come to it. So reading through Elisha's story earlier this summer when I mapped it out versus coming back through and studying it out week in and week out and preparing a message, like I'm a different person. Different things are happening in the world. Mm-hmm. So you're always coming back to scripture different. Uh, and what I came to, or at least what I thought this series was going to be about is a look at the radical faith of this prophet dude who asked for a double blessing and how God literally gives him double blessings. He does twice as many miracles as Elisha does, Elijah. Uh, And that came about to be an incredible blessing on Israel. But I think the synopsis of the entire uh, series is really kind of where I landed with this particular message, is that we have radical faith and a radically faithful God. Like the string through all of it, as much as Elisha had a radical faith in God and the people around him either did or did not have a radical faith in God. God was radically faithful. And I think that would be, um, if I were to 
maybe retitle this series, if I were to preach it again, I would probably call it the radically faithful God. Mm. Interesting. I like that because we kind of started with um, a radically faithful prophet man of God and ended with the orchestrator behind it all, which was God Mm -hmm. at the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we kind of saw that, especially in this message. Now, the title was interesting. You gave it the title, The Probably Faithful God. Yeah. And... I think and I sure hope that that resonated with people mm-hmm. because I think sometimes we treat God as, well, maybe he can do it or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, or maybe or maybe this and the maybe kills us. The probably the maybe those words right, right, right. can just wreck us uh, spiritually. So I love the title. Is there any inspiration behind the title? Just throw. I just want to know. Uh, so, I mean, that goes back to what we were kind of talking about earlier. Like I didn't know where to go with this message because you have a kid or you have a prophet on his deathbed, uh, this very enigmatic shoot the arrow through the window, beat the ground with the arrow prophet dies, dude gets thrown on him and then raised back to life. And then God not wanting to, uh, or wanting to take care of Israel because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like we go everywhere everywhere <laughs> my uh, uh my my wife was um i was talking to her about it and she was like if i was preaching this sermon i would have read through the text and then i would have said and all god's people said what because <laughs> it's it's just it's it's a it's like a it's a big non-ending sure like you're expecting the the prophet to give the king this big wisdom or like every you know, happily ever after that whole thing you just it doesn't happen and so in Wrestling through this passage, I came to the conviction that the king of Israel believed in this kind of concept of the probably faithful God. Mm. That like, yeah, God will probably take care of us. I need to do my little part here. And if I can if I can weasel my way here, do my thing there, um, then yeah, God will probably be faithful. But yeah, he's probably faithful. So I need to I need to take care of my own. I need mm. to I need to make sure that my bases are covered in case God doesn't come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of, that language, I was like, ah, okay. And then I was, I was leaning into the, the concept of promises that in, in scripture, God promises that he will bring about victory for him. Mm-hmm. Even though he's unfaithful, God promises victory, but he didn't believe that to the full extent. Sure. As evidenced by his action, right? So it, yeah, God, you're faithful, but probably. Not all the way. Not all the way there yet. So, yeah. I, I love what you said there about making sure that we have all of our bases covered sometimes just in case God doesn't come through. Mm-hmm. And obviously that to me is a reflection of where we are with God mm-hmm. because I think of the three Hebrew boys when they replied to the king, look, even if, you know, whatever happens, we're still not going to uh, bow down to your image yeah. because because we know our God, right? Yeah, and yeah. because we have that faith in our God. Um, so I, I, I liked that. So I kind of get where you're, yeah, yeah. where you were going with the title. Cool. Going into the passage a little bit, I, I love very early on the, the visual picture. You pointed this out very early. We get this like, you can almost see this kind of happening in, in whatever room they were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love this visual picture where we can see the the man of God, Elisha, or I, I almost put God in this case, working with the king um, in close contact with each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it wasn't like yeah. he was 
ordering him to do something from afar yeah. or he wasn't yeah. uh you know sitting down next to him and be like all right you go do your thing yeah it wasn't going to work unless the man of god's hand was on that bow as well like yes. touching him yes yeah you know yep. and i think sometimes we want to work with god so we're willing we're mm-hmm. willing to work with god we're like all right god we can do this thing but just like sit over there and yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, and, yeah. I, and i'll do it right yep. um yep. But it won't work unless God's hand is also on our hand doing the work. Right. And I love that visual kind of picture that you put out there of these two together. And that kind of led to your first point, which our future success depends upon the degree in which we work in harmony with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that would have been a beautiful, been a fly on the wall and see that happening. Yeah. Because you also mentioned that Elisha's sick here. Mm-hmm. He's he's about he's about to go. Yeah. And he gets the I mean, I'm sure God gave him the strength, but he gets the strength to get up and 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 do this. I don't know, to me that was a yeah. a fantastic picture to see. Yeah. There's a there's an interest another place in scripture where this happens. Jacob is on his deathbed and his sons His sons um, are are coming to him for a blessing, um, and you know the the Abraham Isaac Jacob, right? Mm-hmm. So he's the grandson of Abraham. He's also the guy that gets renamed Israel. And if you look at that story, there's there's this interesting wordplay in the Hebrew about his name that it says that Jacob was lying in bed, and then Israel got up. Oh, interesting. And just the, it's, it's not that he's like shape shifted or he's a different person, but the kind of the spirit and the calling that God had put on Jacob to mm-hmm. be Israel, that that part of, of him willed and had the strength to be able to stand up and to give the, the, it's the, um, the reverse blessing when Joseph brings, um, his two sons to, to be blessed and he gives the reverse blessing. He gives the the blessing for the older son to the younger mm-hmm. and for the older uh, younger to the older. And that was kind of in my mind as I'm reading this and you look at the original language, Elisha gets up. It says he's laying on his bed and then he gets up. And to think about the power of God in that moment, that this is so important that the king of Israel get this symbolic action mm-hmm. that Elisha himself will stand up and place his hands on the bow and, and, and guide his hands where they need to go. Because if if Elisha had just sat on his bed and told him what to do, he could have gone home that day thinking, oh, well, I did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now with God's hand, I'm going to use that kind of yeah, term, yeah, yeah. on, on yeah. the bow, now the glory goes back to God, mm-hmm. right? Because he mm-hmm. was helping guide everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So I, I think that was that was a fantastic picture to paint. And, uh, and, and I loved it. Um, later on in that passage in, in, in verse 18, and here's where I'll ask you a question. Okay. Um, this concept of radical faith and you being the orchestrator of the sermon series would know better than anybody else. <laughs> I almost feel like, and this could be a very, a very easy question, but um, in verse 18, 
uh, Elisha tells the king, then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. That's 2 Kings 13, 18. Yep. Here's the question. This concept of radical faith, to me, has simply just been, over the last six weeks, a test after test after test after test. Am I wrong to think that that is the theme? Uh, of like the people that Elisha's interacting with? Sure. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that's that's the way that, that God works. And I think uh, maybe test isn't necessarily the the right word for it. I don't think it has as much nuance in English okay. as um, perhaps it needs to have. Because I don't know. I say the English word test and I think of um, a teacher in a grade book. And like, okay. oh, did you, did you do all the right things? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but perhaps it's God providing opportunities for his people to exercise radical faith. Ooh, okay. So it goes back to uh, the concept of like patience. You pray for patience. Does God give you patience or does he give you the opportunity to practice patience? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think in this, in these moments, does God give us radical faith or does he give us the opportunity to practice radical faith? And so I, I, I think I, I would, I would agree. You're not far off to say that it's been, kind of test after test after test. It's like, well, you trust me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to place you in a position where you either trust me or you don't. And there, there's space provided for the, the characters and the individuals in these stories to practice that radical mm -hmm. faith. Opportunities to practice. I think that, that, that applies to everything mm -hmm. that, that God mm -hmm. wants us to do. I was thinking, I went all the way back to the woman, uh, the, the, the widow that Elisha, you know, she had the little bit of oil, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And Elisha tells her to go get as many pots, whatever. She he tells her to go to your neighbors and but it's interesting that there is no uh there's no like quantitative number that Elisha tells her to go grab. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. it was up to her and her son and the amount of faith that she had to grab as many as they wanted a miracle for, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, because if, if she had only grabbed three and said, oh, okay, well, I'm sufficient with three, God would have filled those three up. Mm -hmm. But if she would have grabbed like 400, mm -hmm. he also would have done that, right? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. that was her pulling more and more. It's like, all right, well, God's promised, so I'm going to get as much as I can. Um, I think the same way here, God testing the king, how how much faith do you have and how, how badly do you really want to, Yeah. like how really, how how badly do you want my promise to be fulfilled so you can defeat the enemy, right? Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yep. Now take this story and apply the same principle to Naaman. You look how God specifically tells Naaman to dip three times or seven times. Seven times, yeah. Seven times, right? He doesn't tell the king of Israel. He just says, strike the ground. Sure. Right? And so what would the story have looked like? And I don't know if I'm reading in, into this too far. Naaman is not of the children of Israel. <laughs> he's not of God's covenant people. God is very specific with him what he's supposed to do. But I think for the, for the Israelite, for the Israelite king, perhaps he's held to a higher standard. You should know this, bud. Yeah. Right? Uh, and to think about what the Naaman story would have looked like if God told Naaman, go dip in the Jordan River and you'll be healed. And he dips three times. And he's like, if you had only dipped seven, mm -hmm. you know, like I <laughs> you healed, been your, healed. I yeah. healed your arm and your leg. Yeah. And if you'd only dipped seven times, then you would have brought full healing. to mm -hmm. you. Like It's like, oh, that's kind of weird to think about. But in some ways... That's the story of the king of Israel. And I think 
I don't know if I'm getting too far out in the weeds. I don't, I don't have any, this is just, I'm, I'm processing out loud, I'm thinking out loud. Sure. That's what we're doing. This is a, a regular part of my sermon preparation to just think and be like, well, what about this possibility? Right. Um, does God call his covenant people, the people that claim Christianity, that claim Adventism, whatever label you want to put on, does he claim or does he hold us a little bit more accountable to be faithful to him because we hold a particular name or a title or that we're claiming that we're faithful to him? I think he holds us a little higher accountable. I think so. I think so. Um, I think he had to be specific with Naaman. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's like it, he's new to the faith. Sure, he has no idea what like right. what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he came here looking for a Elisha, you know, put his hand on his head and he go home healed. This is not what he's looking for. I got to tell him what's going on. Yeah, here this this king should know. Uh, yeah, God's promised to open the windows of heaven. So take advantage. Don't shortchange. Right. You know, don't shortchange God. I think sometimes uh, we we doubt. We doubt God that God, we doubt that God can even come through because we're afraid to ask for like a lot. You get what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. But it's funny because throughout the entire Bible, all you see is, "Hey, I want you to live a an abundant life." Yeah. Right. Yeah. And abundance to me is yeah. not just filling your cup. Yeah. Abundance to me is like your cup gets full and it starts like overflowing onto like everything else. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're afraid to ask for that, or we think, "Oh man, is that too much?" Yeah. To yeah. ask for God, you know, well, and and you were using the the illustration of the woman with the the oil pots. The thought that came to mind a little bit earlier was that God leans into much as much as we are willing to lean into Him. Yeah, so He's not going to overextend Mm-mm. His welcome. He's not going to force or coerce or do any of that. He only comes where He's welcome and where He's invited to the extent that He is invited. And so, like you say, the 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 story for the woman, if she had told her sins, okay, go grab a couple of pots and they brought five of them and like, Oh, cool. A miracle. You went from one little oil mm-hmm. jar to the, the five little pots or three little pots, whatever it is. But then to see her faith, she's like, well, if this is the thing I'm all in. Sure. If, if the prophet says I need to go find pots, cause we're going to fill them with oil. Mm-hmm. Like boys <laughs> go, it is nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I expect you back by dark, but all day you're <laughs> You're just getting pots. <laughs> yeah. And uh, applying that to our lives today, are are we, are do we place an importance on making space for God? Hmm. And I, and I think we do a little bit of a disservice if we're just making space for God. Cause I believe that we got to, we're, we're either, we're either all in with God or we're not. There's no, like, there's no fence riders. He's like, you're with me or you're against me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I, I think clear from scripture. But are we in our regular practice giving our lives over to God and allowing for him to work through us, for his blessings to flow through us? And instead of running from this thing to that, to that, to that, to Mm -hmm. that, to that, are we giving of ourselves in discipleship to Jesus? Are we counting the cost and realizing what we have to trade? Oh, following Jesus means I can't do this thing and this thing and this thing. Not because there's some legalistic whatnot, it's I believe that God has something better in store for me. I think you made a great point of God working, but working through us. She had to pour it out. Intent, that's a word to take away from today's mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. 
make sure you're living a life with purpose and intent yeah. in everything you do. Yeah. Well, and you think about it, if we use another negative example, perhaps, there's a difference between um, a premeditated murder and uh, murder of like, say you accidentally kill somebody, mm-hmm. car accident, um, I don't know, loaded gun that you didn't know. Like there's no intent behind it. It mm-hmm. was it was a complete accident. Um, and there, there carries a higher penalty for someone who has a, a premeditated plan. Yeah. And has intent like you your your intent was to mm-hmm. kill that person, that carries a higher a higher penalty. And like I think same as Christian life. Like yeah. you're not going after <laughs> murdering people. <laughs> but there there there's it it levels up uh-huh. to live with intent that you I, I'm not just here getting a paycheck. Mm. I'm not just checking in and checking out or yeah, I went to elevate this week or cool, I caught the podcast. It's like, are you living with intention? Are you questioning everything that you do to the point that like are is your heart fully in it has has your heart been transformed by the gospel so that you every single decision that you're you're making you're taking that back to the ways of jesus and saying if jesus were me would he do this and i think living that life of intent in every um area and aspect of your christian life leads you to where I was headed next with mm-hmm. our conversation, which sure. is I recognizing that we have a radically faithful God. Mm-hmm. Um, because then the title of today's message doesn't even apply to you if you're living your life with intent. Mm-hmm. Because then you right. you know that you have a faithful God, not a probably right. faithful God right, or right, a right, maybe. Right, right. Um, you are now living a life of knowing, I know that I have a radically faithful God. Yeah. Um, and something that I, I've learned is not only is God looking for people with radical faith, but I think we've seen through the life of Elisha in these six weeks, and I think you wrapped it up perfectly, <clears throat> excuse me, is that we serve a, a very radically faithful God. Yeah. And it's interesting that at the beginning you said, hey, if I would redo this this series, I'd, I'd rechange the name. And I was thinking that as I was doing notes yesterday and stuff. Uh, so, see, we're running the same. Hey. Holy same, same wavelength. <laughs> um, because even at the end of this story, he, he gave what was an evil king, right, the chance because even though God's people continue to turn away from him all over the Bible, those are still his children. He still gave him victory. Those are still his, like, those are still his yeah. children, his kids. Yeah. Even though so many things that he put in front of them opened up oceans, throw food from heaven, they still turn from him, but He's still faithful because those are his kids. Yeah. Those are still his children. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what. Yep. Um, Verse 23 towards the end of the story uh, is when we see this gracious and merciful God. He says, but the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel and they were not totally destroyed. He pitied them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to this day, he still has not completely destroyed them or banished them. From his presence. Yeah. That verse, I believe, is very prevalent today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, if you look at Israel's history, mm-hmm. the amount of wars and bloodshed that has happened on those lands yeah. from today, from starting today, go all the way back in history, is incredible. Neighboring countries wanted to destroy them, ganging up at one point, there were like eight countries 
Yep. It was like in the mid nineties trying to, to take them out. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. there's just so many things. The Crusades, you can think about so many things. And the Jews in Israel, they are still they are still there. Yeah. Um yeah. so if you've ever thought that God's promises have a time limit, <laughs> right? <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Yeah. He's still protecting his people today. Yeah. Well, and isn't it ironic? Uh, the capital city is named the city of peace. Jerusalem. Yeah. Jerusalem. It's the city of peace. And it's been one of the biggest centers in the world of conflict. Yeah. And it's still to this day. A- absolutely. Yeah. And, but God God is faithful. Now, I 100% believe there is coming a time that God is going to deal with sin and that yep. the the righteous will be judged and the wicked will be judged mm-hmm. and that we will reap the rewards of the choices that we've made. But as long as we walk this earth and as long as Jesus has not come back yet, God, I mean, and and even then God's faithful in all of that. And we will look back over our lives and not change anything, seeing how God has has led us through the choices that we make. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I would say to, to you who are listening now, if you feel like you've got a, a past that would bar you from the presence of God, or you've done something that's like, oh, there's no way I'm going to be accepted. God's faithful. Mm-hmm. If he can take a wicked king and and still give him victory over his enemies, Think about what he can do with you. Over the last six weeks, if there are two things you would tell a listener to hang on and stay strong, what would those two things be? Where we see scarcity, God sees more than enough, and try radical faith in a radically faithful God. I think that's a perfect way to end it. Thanks so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram. All the links are in the... Uh, description to this episode and uh we'll yeah. be we'll be hitting you with what a new series right yeah so if i can talk a little bit about that yeah let's um, do that we're actually taking next week off um i haven't told you this i think i've alluded okay to so it, next but... week we won't be Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got this thing called infinite hope coming up it starts wednesday night october 6 and goes through uh, saturday night october 9 it's a look at jesus and the beatitudes uh, we will probably be bringing you some form of that on the podcast, but we don't know exactly what yet. It's going to take a little bit more to produce. Um, and we're taking next week off because uh, our regular Saturday message is going to look a little bit different. And it's just kind of, it's it's a one-off and it's out of content. It's within that series, but it's not anything that we've done on the podcast. Um, but after that, if you can bear with us and as we get our ducks in a row, it feels like we like put a plane together with duct tape and we just kind of, we took off and now somebody's out on the wing like, we need some more duct tape over here um, is what it feels like sometimes. But uh, after that, we're going to be diving into the Sermon on the Mount and Ooh. we're going to be spending, I've already got it mapped out. I can tell you, I can tell you when we're, it's going to take us all the way up to Christmas to get through the Sermon on the Mount. Wow. Yeah. So it's almost three months long. Let's see. Well, I mean, well, no, yeah, three months long. So, um, October, when would that be? October 19 will be the next time probably we have a message out um, where we start into the Sermon on the Mount and that will take us all the way to the week of December 19. Yeah. So that's two full months. Two full months. Yep. Right up until Christmas. So the episodes dropping right before Christmas will be finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. Very cool. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Exciting stuff. I've spent, uh, along with some friends of mine, the past three months just soaking in the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And it's 
honestly, it's one of, I think one of the times I could say it's changed my life. And I don't, and I don't even know, I can't even articulate how, um, but you'll probably get to know that a little bit more, um, as I preach through the sermon. So 